May the words of our mouths and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O God, for you are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Good morning. Now, during the summer months, the Episcopal lectionaries tell us the age-old stories of our ancestors. We hear tales of those who have long been guided by those ten godly suggestions given long ago on the mountaintop to Moses. Suggestions which have guided behaviors that bless and strengthen communities of believers for thousands of years. Today's collect right up front in the service focuses the lectionary premise that life for the people of God is to be lived with heartful devotion and pure affection. Most of us do receive our first religious beliefs from our parents, our family, our Sunday schools. And yet, it seems that each and every generation has to eventually wrestle down these beliefs for itself based on its own experience. Choose what powers are to be held divine. And yet there are constants handed down from generation to generation. Now, on previous Sundays, two and three weeks past, we've seen Abraham, that great ancestor of multitudes, discover that the God he worships is trustworthy, keeps promises, protects children. And today, we watch the next generation to discern how they live out this belief. In this morning's readings, we see Rebecca answer the call to become the loving matriarch of God's people, agreeing to comfort, to bless them in love. After all the godly testing and angst, today's reading is a love story. Today is about godly, loving partnership, about having an advocate in human joys and sorrows. In this particular Genesis reading, Abraham is seeking a wife for his son Isaac, and he sends a trusted and prayerful servant to find her. First, the servant prays, and in one of those phrases that we did not read, this servant asked for a sign from God that this new matriarch-to-be will come to the spring and offer to draw living water for himself and his camels. And Rebecca appears. <laughs> Then, with her single water jar, this amazing woman 
draws water for the servant and his camels. Now, each and every desert camel consumes between 20 and 30 gallons of water at one sitting. We are told in this scripture there are 10 of them. That adds up to 300 gallons of water and 900 pounds. So this is a very powerful ancestress indeed, almost freakishly strong. She will be known biblically for her miraculous strength and for her ability to sustain life for desert people. She is drawing water from that very spring which the angel pointed out to Abraham's other son who would have been run out to the desert to die without the living water provided. And amazingly, like Abraham, Rebecca is willing to leave family, to leave familiar surroundings, and in God's care, to partner with God to fulfill all those promises. Miraculously, again, her consent to do this is asked. It is unimaginable in a patriarchal time that the bride is ever consulted. Even rarer in this situation, for both Rachel and for Isaac, it is love at first sight. It's the only time we actually hear of that in the Hebrew scriptures. Here, the people of God claim the fact the God they worship wants loving partnership for and with them, seeks heartfelt devotion, pure affection in pursuing the godly plan of salvation. The gospel echoes that aspect of God. In it, we hear Jesus describe how the same loving God has attempted to teach and guide all disciples since creation, has tried in so many ways to get them to listen and to weave them into a loving community, trying to work with them in advocacy and in partnership. Their response, we're told in this gospel, is like that of typical infants. They cry to bring someone to them when in need. Then, psychologists tell us, babies learn to smile. They learn to smile because they find it keeps those they need in close relationship with them. Even today's loving matriarchs and patriarchs rush to comfort their infants when they cry and to sing and dance with them in the beauty of their smiles. No one can resist 
the smile of a young child. Our reading this morning speaks to those who seem to have had no such advocacy, those weary and heavy laden who seek loving relationship. And today we are warned that psychologists say that babies will cry and smile to bring people to them, and if too often no one comes and they are totally abandoned, they will cease to have the faith to reach out on their own. Jesus says to these weary and downtrodden people, reach out to me. Come, seek partnership. Let us do this life together. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the image of that yoke is an interesting phenomena. Some scholars have interpreted the yoke image as a reference to the burdensome law of the Old Covenant. That law, the word of God given to Moses with its 613 regulations that the Pharisees and scribes have added had become a law that no human could master on their own. The dilemma of this legalistic method inspires Paul to write in the epistle to the Romans as he struggles to argue away the need to prove himself worthy of the freely given grace he has received. Attempting to accept and pass on that good news that the true Son of God invites followers to learn from him. In this way, the word is made flesh and shares the yoke alongside disciples, lightens burdens, gives us rest, walking alongside believers while we travel. The word is then not a driver, but an advocate, working in tandem for the salvation of humanity. Now, Paul himself would also have been aware that carpenters in Jesus' day were the ones who constructed those yokes, carefully fitting what is called a crossbar to the shoulders of each and every ox, carefully tailor-made to the ox that bears it. One modern-day matriarch speaks about this yoke or crossbar that joins beasts of burden for their comfort. And she puts it this way. When I am tied into those things that I did learn at church, somehow I am strengthened and I have the ability to work beyond my own capacity. 
I can love when I'm angry. I can serve when I'm tired. And I feel there's something more than that. By agreeing to be tied into purposes greater than myself, the nature of the work I do changes. Business lunches, long phone calls with friends in need, kitchen table dinners, wiped noses, homework help. They all become different. Even that work is somehow made holy. The way I love and serve my family and my friends becomes holy when I am tied into a loving cause. Such a commitment, we are told, will allow us, we pray today, to accept that each and every son of God is beloved by God. Even those we ourselves have not yet quite learned to have pure affection for. <laughs> for it seems this pure and heartful affection we pray for today is an unearned gift already given by a God who has long kept promises, promises of loving guidance. It is a gift to be accepted simply because we cannot live as well without it. And then to be passed on and on and on from generation to generation. Thanks be to God. <laughs>